Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Um, it is Friday, so we're going to be visiting with my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. So without any further ado, let's bring Jeff in and say good morning. How are you doing, buddy? Morning, Ricky. I'm doing great. It's uh, we're getting to the dog days of summer. Spring's over. Yeah, I know it. I know it is. Hey, we sh- we chatted a little bit about this off the air before we started the show, but uh, one of the awards that I enjoyed doing when I was publisher of the Times Picayune was the Loving Cup Award, which is given to sort of like. We do we do leadership awards here in coastal Mississippi, but this is like the top leadership award. This is the person who is most deserving of their work in the community for the past year, or maybe even through their lifetime. But they're the ones who who was recognized that year. And I was really pleased to see that Miss Benson recently received the award. You think back about it, you probably. Should have uh, should have given it to her some time ago because she's been so committed to the community for so long. But it was great seeing the the videos at NOLA.com and the Times Picayune, and also at the Saints uh, at the Saints website. It was it seemed to be an incredibly well orchestrated event, and you could see that she was just thrilled to death to get it. Yeah, it was a great event Monday night at the Saints indoor facility. Uh, Ricky, you, you know you you've delivered uh, those speeches before and given out that award. It's a big deal here in New Orleans. It's a great honor for her and it meant a lot to her. And there was a great turnout from the governor all the way, uh, all the way down to the executives with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Willie Green was there, uh, David Griffin, Mickey Loomis, uh, great turnout. And she definitely was a deserving recipient. There's no doubt. Hey, before we get on, what's the latest in your head uh, and what's happening in the in the professional sports scene? I have a friend of mine. His name is Joshua Blankenship, and he's an artist that somewhere along the way I just got introduced to him, and we sort of struck up a friendship. And I have uh, I've kind of mentored him on some some approaches that he could take with his with his approach to art. And uh, to marketing his art, et cetera, with social media, et cetera. And he's an extraordinarily talented young man. But he won a he won a an opportunity to move from his place in Tennessee to uh, Kingston, North Carolina, which is where Brandon Ing- uh, Ingram is from, who, as you know, all star player for the Pelicans. And uh, and one of the things he did is he I'm going to show you a picture of it. I'll just kind of hold it up. He d- he drew a picture. Uh, Brandon, and uh, kind of honoring Kingston and where he's from, et cetera. And it got posted on social media. His father, Brandon's father, saw it and immediately said, I'm buying it. Well, then Brandon then goes to Kingston. Here's a picture of him with the photo, with the the picture, and my artist friend. Brandon uh, visits, uh, surprises his mother there for Mother's Day, and they invite Joshua over to the house. To you know, bring the, bring the the painting and to to meet Brandon and and he, and he he posted about the experience and he said Brandon Ingram is one of the nicest people he's ever met. He's had the opportunity. He's done other professionals, sports guys along the way, but he was particularly touched by Brandon Ingram 
Um, he said, just, just super laid back and, you know, not a big ego guy and all that, you know, I'm pretty well too. I, it's great to see sort of some behind the scenes on some of these guys, isn't it? Yeah. Everything you hear about Brandon Ingram is positive. I mean, the, the Pelicans organization loves him. I think they put him pretty much uh, on a pedestal alongside CJ McCollum as the faces of the franchise right now until they can get Zion Williamson back in the fold. But uh, everything you hear about him behind the scenes, great leader, great young man, very laid back, kind of typical North Carolina kid, uh, great family. So it doesn't surprise me uh, how your friend uh, had that interaction with him. It falls in line with everything I've heard. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Okay, so the dust is starting to settle a little bit on all these moves the Saints have made. But um, you expect any other moves to be made here soon? I think they're pretty much done. I mean, there could be a couple more roster additions, maybe a, a veteran running back uh, as a backup plan. Uh, it sounds like Jarvis Landry, who they were pursuing, the wide receiver, former LSU star, uh, is, is in negotiations with Baltimore. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but Baltimore has kind of emerged as a front runner for him. But I do think the Saints would still like uh, to, to consider him at the right price. Yeah. That's the problem right now. The Saints very much are being frugal this offseason. So anybody they bring in is going to be close to the minimum salary after doing Tyrant Matthew. I think they're pretty much uh, done for any other additions going forward. Well, I had the opportunity to read at NOLA.com a little bit more clarity about the Tyrone Matthew contract. You said you you looked forward to understanding it a little bit better. Seemed to be a good price. Looks like some big guaranteed money. But what's your take on the contract now that you've had an opportunity to reflect about it? Well, all these contracts, you really have to get the details and, and dig into them. The early reports, Ricky, the way this league works, almost all of it's leaked by the agents. And the agents, of course, are in business to attract future clients. So they want that initial report to look as favorable to them and their uh, client as possible. So often, though, it's it's not accurate. It, you know, the, the, the information is really the, the devil's in the details. And so like Tyrant Matthews, deals announced as a three-year, $33 million deal, which is technically accurate. But from the team's point of view, it's really more of a two-year deal with about $18.5 million. That's what's guaranteed to Tyree Matthew in the first two years. Now, it may be a third year. If he plays lights out the next two years, the Saints will probably keep him for that third year, uh, and it will end up being a $33 million deal. But there is a you know, there's an opportunity when the money's not guaranteed beyond the first two years, the Saints can easily walk away, release him, and not have any repercussions for the cap. And, uh, you know, there's nothing going to, there's going to be no salary cap in, in implications. So that's how you look at it from a league point of view. It's really more of a two year deal with a third option for the team. Uh, very similar to some of the stuff we saw uh, in the deals with, um, Jameis Winston, where it was announced as a longer-term deal, and really it's a one-year one deal. I mean, the Saints can uh, walk away after next season if they don't like what they see or it's not working out, but it's announced as a longer, more lucrative deal. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked – we talked about the Tyrone Matthew 
story and why it's so significant and all that last week. Uh, there's been some there's been some news stories that have come out even since then with more detailed conversations with with Tyrone. But he, uh, you know, not to overplay it because we did discuss it pretty good last week. But you know, the more you hear him talk about the role he wants to play, you know, not just not just to be a leader on the Saints. He feels like he's at some, you know, he's playing at at, at his best level. But also the role he wants to play in the community to inspire people. And one of the reasons he didn't come back here is because you know, sort of that negative, um, you know, that negative thing that he was really, you know, he was working through his own per- personal issues. And now that he's mature and has done that, he wants to play a role in inspiring young people in the city. And, uh, you know, it seems that he's really got his head straight as it relates to the role he's going to play on the team and the role he wants to play in the community. And that's awesome to see, isn't it? Look, Ricky, I think he's going to have an enormous impact here in New Orleans. I mean, he's going to reach, uh, you know, a demographic that, frankly, a lot of people can't reach. Uh, even New Orleans Saints can't reach. And, and he's embracing that role. Uh, he is a New Orleanian. He's one of us over here. And uh, he comes from, uh, you know, a community that's desperate for role models and I think uh, the fact that he's come back with his eyes wide open to that and it wants to make a difference is a tremendous story. And uh, I think he can make a huge difference here. And I think he understands that. And, yeah. and that's important. It's important for people. Uh, you know, I know some of the players, uh, I mean, some of the people I've talked to in the community said, like, we would have loved to have had a, a, a Tyran Matthew for us back when we were growing up. In, in those neighborhoods, but but even the Saints players uh, didn't come into the neighborhoods there. Well, Tyree Matthews from those neighborhoods, yeah, and, and he's going to continue to be in those neighborhoods. He's got family in the, in those neighborhoods. So, to me, it's a, a really a remarkable story. Uh, he would not have been a good fit here right after LSU. He said that he was vulnerable personally, uh, but now where he's at in his life now, his maturity, uh, I think it's the perfect time for him to make a home uh, make a homecoming. Well, obviously, it, as part of the editorial board efforts while I was there, part of the responsibilities of the Times Picayune while I was there, um, the 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 complicated, the very complicated situation that exists in New Orleans today, over fifty percent of African American men are unemployed, and the and the pandemic put that on steroids. And you've got generational challenges there. My my relationship with Mitch Landrieu helped me to understand that so many of these young people who are involved in these more neighborhood-like games. Not It's not like Crips and Blood. They're, they're like neighborhood-level gangs with, with, uh, with guns and ammunition they didn't have years ago. It's a very, very difficult situation, and most of those young people are incredibly scared. I think they will be positively impacted and inspired by what Tyron Matthew brings to the table. And uh, I'll mention one more thing about that on the other side, but when we continue the conversation with, uh, with Jeff Duncan after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune, and we're talking about the Saints. And in particular, we're talking about 
about Tyrone Matthew, and I, I, I won't, we won't, we won't overdo this, but simply the point is that in New Orleans, there, there's generational poverty. There's significant issues with violence. A lot, most of the kids who are raised in those neighborhoods, they get sucked into a sort of a violent world when really what they want is a way out, and they're scared. I mean, that's, that's the one thing I remember so well about what Mitch Landrieu told me, and that is that so many of the young people he talked to who were involved in violent situations are really scared to death. They're just trying to find a way to survive. And having a role model like like Tyrone, will I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to make it – could, it could change people's lives, and – um, uh, you know, he's the right guy at the right moment. Any any last words about that before we move on? Well, I think most important what he said uh, that I think is really a, an important message uh, to be heard is that you don't have to be a professional athlete to get out. And, and I think that's important. I mean, those are Tyree Matthews are one in a million. I mean, very the odds are stacked against you to make it in the NFL. Uh, you should continue to have big dreams and and strive for your goals. Uh, but there's other ways, maybe more reasonable, realistic ways to make something of your life. And he wants to get that message across because it's not just being a rapper or being an NFL player. Uh, that shouldn't be the only goals. And, and, and so I love to hear that from him. I do too, man. I, it's going to be so much so important, actually, I was going to say fun, but more important, it'd be fun to watch him play, but more importantly, watching his contribution back to the community, his leadership in that way, is going to touch a lot of people, not just in New Orleans, but really around the entire United States. So with that said, let's move over. The Okay, what you got to say about the schedule? Well, look, the schedule came out on Thursday. That's what everybody, it's kind of like Christmas in May for, for NFL fans and Saints fans. Uh, big opening game at Atlanta. You know, the, the longtime rivals, uh, Saints opened the season uh, where they ended the 2021 season, the same place in Atlanta. That happens to be where Dennis Allen started his NFL coaching career. So there's lots of subplots. Uh, Marcus Mariota is going to be the quarterback uh, in Atlanta, probably. And that he was the number two pick in the 2015 draft behind Jameis Winston, who was the number one pick. So there's lots of good subplots in that. But I think more than anything else, Ricky, uh, we see a very kind of manageable opening stretch of the season. You, you open up at Atlanta, then you play the Bucks at home, the home opener against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, uh, man, that'll be a big game, obviously. Tom Brady coming back into the Dome, that big rivalry. Then you go to Carolina, another manageable game, then overseas to London, which makes sense. You you cut off the, the travel time when you travel from Charlotte directly over across the pond come back home to play Seattle. Then you get the Bengals at home, Joe Burrow coming back uh, to the Superdome where he won the national title week six. But listen to this stretch, Ricky. Starting with that game in week six, the Cincinnati Bengals then at Arizona on Thursday night football, uh, a playoff team. Back home, Las Vegas Raiders in the Dome, playoff team. Then also uh, Monday night football against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, always tough team. At Pittsburgh, playoff team. The Rams, Super Bowl champion back in the Dome, playoff team. And then at San Francisco, playoff team. At Tampa Bay, playoff team. <laughs> That's a brutal stretch. Seven, uh, I think it's 50 days, eight games, seven playoff teams. Uh, that The Saints are going to have to start strong because the middle of this schedule is very difficult. 
Well, you said it before, but we'll we'll remind people in case they missed it that one of the big changes that Dennis Allen made as to how this team is going to prepare themselves physically. They made some big changes in the way that they're they're doing their offseason workouts and and the way that they're hopefully preparing themselves to maybe reduce the number of injuries that, that they've had. They've really they got decimated last year. Um, what you hearing about that these, these days? Well, I mean, that, the players all love the new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, they've embraced this new program. It's very progressive, very forward-thinking, um, very scientific, a lot of analytics involved. Uh, they were kind of on the cutting edge. That was a big emphasis for Dennis Allen, one of the first big moves he made. And the guy, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, Coach Shea is the, the new uh, strength and conditioning coordinator. He came from the University of Alabama, where he worked with Nick Saban. And he got recommended to the Saints by Michael Thomas. So I think it's interesting that Michael Thomas was the guy that uh, recommended this coach. And once they interviewed and hit it off, um, I think it's going to be a big a big bonus for the Saints because players talk. And when they find out the Saints are on the cutting edge of you know strength and conditioning, health, nutrition, all those things, it's only going to continue to attract top players here. Rookie clash, both those drafted and undrafted free agents, they come together and uh, tell me about what the what the sort of schedule is going to be over the next few weeks for the for the Saints. Well, today Friday will be the first day the rookies go on the practice field for uh, mini camp, rookie mini camp. This is the introduction to pro football for these guys. Uh, the, not only the draft picks, but all the undrafted players. Uh, you've got players coming in for tryouts on a tryout basis, so it'll probably be. I'm just guessing 40 to 50 rookies on the field uh, Friday for two-a-days, two Saturday for two-a-days, and then they'll have a practice Sunday. And then we'll get back to on-the-field activities with OTAs in the weeks ahead where the rest of the veterans report and join the team. So about the next month or so, we'll have some on-field, off-season practices. So it's our first chance to see the rookies, Chris Olave, Trevor Pinning. Uh, I've got a column that's going to be really interesting I think, on this rookie punter they brought in. They didn't draft a punter, of course. They have Blake Gillikin, but the punter they're bringing in, Daniel Whalen, Cal Davis, got a great backstory. Born and born and raised in Ireland. He's trying to become the first Irishman to make it in the NFL since 1985, Ricky. So, wow. you know, long time. And he got all Ireland following his path here. He's got his work cut out for him to make the roster here. I don't I'd be surprised if he beats out Blake Gillikin, who had a great year last year. But I think he'll get a chance to punt, put his work on tape, and probably make it somewhere else in the NFL because really talented kid. Well, we don't. We we. It looks like, unless you know something I don't know, we're not going to go into the OTAs and then ultimately to you know getting ready for the season with any holdouts. I mean, it looks like the Saints have got everybody under contract and everything's settled. Is that is that where they are? Yeah, well, no, no contract problems. I, I think uh, there could be some guys uh, like Blake Gilligan, the punter I mentioned. I, I don't know. He's got some kind of injury. We don't know him uh, to determine what it is or what it is holding back. He's not going to be punting. Uh, I'm not sure if Mike Thomas will be on the on the field. He's still recovering and rehabbing from his offseason ankle uh, surgery. So there's going to be players like that that might not participate, but not because of any kind of contract mess. 
Yeah. Is there any, uh, I, again, it's been kind of quiet because you had this intense time, obviously, during and just following the draft, but any other buzz going on? No, not really. It's kind of, this is when it gets quiet. I mean, really, really the league goes kind of dark in June and July, uh, but we will have mini camps in June. So it'll be our first chance to visit with some of the players. Uh, but really, the, the you know, the schedule's a big deal because, as you know, we're in football country. Uh, this is where people plan their social calendars. This yeah. is where you, you find out if, you're, if your best friend that scheduled his fall wedding did it <laughs> on the same weekend as a huge Saints game, and you can get mad at him or, or her. So, I mean, this is what my experience has been. This day is a huge day for people because they start – now they can plan. They can yeah. figure out what road trips they want to go to, which games they need to come to and get hotel rooms in New Orleans. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that's on hold until the schedule comes out uh, because so many people plan their their fall itineraries around the NFL and the Saints. Hey, we're coming to the end, but real quick, Kentucky Derby, you're a horse racing aficionado. Were you blown away by that? Oh, yeah. One of the more remarkable stories i've ever seen i mean one of the biggest if not the biggest upset i've experienced what a great story though i thought nbc nailed it in their coverage they could not have prepared for that and they winged it and i thought did a remarkable job in their in their coverage what's interesting about it is i i, I happen to know a lot of people who are friends of mine from some from the media industry some just you know this through leading in the community i've gotten close to but the the number of my friends, you know, throughout the state of Mississippi and the Southeast who were there and posting about it, uh, I think everyone will, will realize they just witnessed something historic. Yeah, 80 to 1, uh, the horse was entered in the race the day before, uh, you know, got in on the also eligible list. Uh, and it looked the ratings were through the roof. They were sky high. So people obviously tuned in. It's a great story. I don't know if, if – uh, uh, Rich Strike will uh, Strike Rich will will have a a chance in the Preakness against Epicenter. That was my only downside to it was uh, the Louisiana Derby champion who I'd written about Epicenter looked like he was going to win. Yeah, been the first in a long time, so it was kind of heartbreaking. But a great story for horse racing. What what well, it's so fascinating for people who don't know what we're talking about. Do a search on the on this past Kentucky Derby if you missed it, and just understand what happened there and how much of a long shot what happened there really was. Anyway, this has been Jeff Duncan, my friend from NOLA.com and the Times Speaking. It's been great to catch up with you, buddy. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Take care, Ricky. I look forward to it. Thank you very much, Jeff. When we come back, we have uh, Lieutenant Mark Schlung from the CB base. We'll see you after this. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.